0: Duke Energy offers these tips for understanding your bill. Check the number of days in your billing cycle. Most bills are for 30 days, but there are times when the billing cycle is shorter or longer. If there are more days in the bill, it could be higher. And if you have a smart meter, check online to see if a daily usage analysis tool is available. Smart meters collect usage information by the hour, so checking spikes throughout the month, by the day, and even the hour can show what appliances and behaviors are increasing your bill. Residential customer service specialists are available Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. by calling 1-800-521-2232. Duke Energy presents... Conversations about living young with your host, Marina Kears, Executive Director of Hendricks County Senior Services.
1: Good evening. My name's Marina Kears, and you are listening to Conversations About Living Young. Thank you for joining me this evening. I am pleased to have with me as a guest, Dori Brahman-Moore. She is a local to Brownsburg and an attorney at Brahman-Moore and Harvey Law Offices. She also sits on the board of Hendricks County Senior Services. And as I say, uh, the show every time, that our mission is to keep older adults living as independently as possible in the home of their choice for as long as possible. And I know that's a passion of Dori's as well. So I am pleased to have her joining me today. Thank you, Dory. Thank you, Marina, for inviting me. Yeah. Well, I I know your story, but if you want to just briefly tell the story of why elder law what what about serving seniors calls to you and your line of work.
2: Well, Marina, I was a registered nurse for many years, and at about age forty five. My hospital that I worked at had a large layoff, Mm -hmm. and I decided I wanted to become more independent. My parents were aging. I decided maybe that was the direction I wanted to go. And I knew that some individuals were protecting some of their assets. I didn't really understand how, but I thought serving the elderly and helping my parents, it all fit. Mm -hmm. The additional thing is, because I'm a registered nurse, I also can put a perspective on the illness that's different. I can look at that illness and decide how quickly do I need to do things. So I think the seniors were just a natural match yeah.
1: for me. Yeah, well, you you certainly have um, built a successful um, business around that. And I think our community needs that. Obviously, we work with seniors all the time. And so whether it's you or another elder law attorney in town, um, what's really the benefit of an elder law attorney versus a general practitioner? You know, the person that helped you maybe start a business 25 years ago, and now when you're aging or your parents are aging, how do you know what kind of an attorney to pick?
2: Well, there are several ways you can pick that attorney. Of course, talking to other individuals that have gone through the same thing Mm -hmm. as you are is always a good way to do things. Another idea is there's a website that's for the National Academy of Elder Law Attorneys, and you can look at your zip code Mm -hmm. and identify elder law attorneys that are in your area The other idea is when I look at attorneys that are going to provide a service, I think we all remember when we used to go to a GP for our medical uses. It's the same as that now with legal needs. Mm -hmm. This morning I needed someone that knew real estate law and understood zoning requirements. That's not me. Mm -hmm. I don't do that. However, I know how to access the people that did. This morning, I needed somebody that knew something about education law. Mm -hmm. I don't know anything about education law, nor will I try to answer those questions. But if someone comes and wants something about, my mom's going to a nursing home, what do I do? Mm -hmm. Or I want to plan for my retirement, how do I do that? I think you need to find a specialist in that. And there are a number of specialists. When I first started practicing, there were probably only five to 10 people in the state of Indiana that did elder law every day. Now there's probably a couple of hundred people in the state that do elder law, but there's 40,000 attorneys. Mm -hmm. So that means it's still a low percentage of the people that do elder law. Most people that do elder law are similar in age to me. Uh So we need to get our younger people involved in elder law because I'm 68 years Mm -hmm. old. I shouldn't say that on the radio, but (laughs) I did. And I know that there's many of us that are 68 years old that are going to be retiring. I don't have any plans to retire because I still enjoy and love what I do, but we need younger individuals. I practice with a daughter. And I know a number of other elder law attorneys that practice with their children. Mm. It seems like elder law attorneys can get people to go into elder law yeah. with them that are younger, but we really do need to have more people go into that area of law. And it's very rewarding mm-hmm. when you can, as you know, mm-hmm. when you can help a senior do
1: anything. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely it's very rewarding. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I I so enjoy working with older adults because they want the end goal is the same they they want to be independent they want mm-hmm. to be happy and successful in whatever situation they're in whether that's a transition to long-term care they want that you know or staying into their home for as long as possible mm-hmm. and trying to make a way to have it have it happen mm-hmm. um sometimes you know there's the challenge of working with the families to know what's best and what's safest but um for yes, the most you part, said it earlier yeah. my
2: my motto has always been the least restrictive environment possible mm-hmm. where the individual is safe. Yeah, And you said it a different way earlier, mm-hmm. but I think as long as everyone keeps that in mind, your safety of your senior is of utmost importance. Mm-hmm. And if you can afford to keep them at home, yeah. there are areas that you can get assistance from others at home through Medicaid, but you need to always think, Do I need really 24-hour care? So there's just a lot of things that you have to consider when you're looking at that. And we try to go through all those things Mm -hmm. with our people that we work with. A general practitioner in the law probably has... A lot of superficial knowledge about these things, but probably doesn't have the same in-depth knowledge that an elder law attorney would have. So I would seek out the people that do this every day. And there's a number of people in this area that do it. So it's nice that there's becoming more and more people. But I think the reason you would go with elder law is you want someone that has focused on estate planning or focused on probate and trust administration Focused on Medicaid or focused on VA, mm-hmm. you want those specialties to be able to be to help you
1: right. as you're going through that system. It seems to me that the um, those government programs like Medicaid and the veterans benefits are are very complicated, and you could know just a little bit, um, but those are areas where I, I, you know. I, I want the community to understand that that's a good place to ask for help. It's complicated enough when someone mm-hmm. is signing up for Medicare. <laughs> Most mm-hmm. people need support from, you know, whether it's a ship counselor or from another individual to help with Medicare sign up, let alone if you're really thinking long-term, um, about your benefits that may be available to you as a veteran, or, um, mm-hmm. if you need additional support through possibly Medicaid. So mm-hmm. what is your process like in those particular areas to help people understand what, what, What their options are? What do they need to be thinking about um, to even decide if they need a lawyer in the first place or Mm -hmm. they need an attorney Mm -hmm. in the first place?
2: So when we have people come into our office, we do an asset review. Mm -hmm. That is the first thing we do. Prior to doing that asset review, we always do a power of attorney with the individuals. Mm -hmm. The power of attorney is what's going to allow us to continue to help that individual without having to go to court and ask a judge how to do things. Once we get that power of attorney in place, we assess the assets that the person has, we assess their health Mm -hmm. and try to determine where are they living now and are their needs being satisfied with where they are. So if I have a person that's in their mid-60s that is thinking about retirement, I'm going to put together a completely different plan than if I have... That same mid-60s person, but one person's been recently diagnosed with, let's say, Parkinson's dementia or some form of dementia, and the other person is healthy. I will many times say to people, okay, let's talk about your health, and we'll talk about that for a good 10 to 15 Mm -hmm. minutes so that I can really understand, okay, my husband's just been diagnosed with cancer, but the wife has got dementia. That plan needs to be very specific. So when I talk to my clients, I say, when an event happens, call us. Yeah. We may want to see you again. We do that initial assessment. We get the basic documents in place. We might start some asset protection, but that event may change what we have. Right. And the event would be moving out of your home, a different diagnosis,
1: or one of you passes away. Wow. So if you didn't do that pre-work and the event happens, is it too late? (laughs) No, it really isn't. No, we
2: just have to get to the right attorneys. If you go to a general practitioner again, and I'm not, those people, the, the general practitioners of the world know many things I don't know. Yeah. But if you go to that general practice attorney, he may tell you, you need to spend your money so you can get some help. Right. I believe that when people lose all of their money, they lose their dignity and soon they don't live. Mm -hmm. So I believe that everyone should try to protect something Mm -hmm. for themselves for their future, because I think that is a form of dignity Mm -hmm. that people have. Mm -hmm. So, no, it is not too late. Generally speaking, even if the person is already in a nursing home, Generally speaking, we can usually protect about half of things. You may have heard of a half a loaf theory. Okay. The half a loaf theory is half of your money would be used to pay for care and half of your money would be gifted Mm -hmm. in some form to maybe a trust that would be there for your benefit or something. So even if you're already sick, there's ways to protect things. Good.
1: Okay. I, do, I always want people to have that, that hope that they can still take action, I think. And especially caregivers can get really defeated and feel like things, decisions were made wrong or that they it's too late to do anything any differently. So mm-hmm. Well, everybody
2: always hears about the, it had to be done five years ago. Right. And I feel like that's the one they remember, but that's not really true. Mm-hmm. We have to report what's been done within the last five years, but that doesn't mean you can't get eligible. So. Right. You know, you don't want to randomly just start giving away your things. You mm-hmm. need to do it under the special guidance of someone that understands that law. But as long as you're doing it under that guidance, mm-hmm. you should be able to move move forward with some protection. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. So long-term care is very expensive. It Moral is very expensive. <laughs>
2: At-home care would be about is- $15,000 a month mm-hmm. for 24-hour
1: care. Mm-hmm. Uh, skilled care or non-skilled
2: well, or I mean, both. you can have you can probably have a little bit of both in that twenty five. Yeah. You're going to pay twenty five dollars an hour, approximately. Yeah. Um, twenty one to twenty five is a very normal fee, and that's yeah. not all. RNs, right. okay, that's just a caregiver of some sort that's yeah. going to provide care for you. And then assisted living cares, I see those range from three to five thousand mm-hmm. a month. Long term care are ranging now between six and ten thousand mm-hmm. a month. So, of course, at-home care for 24-hour care is the it's highest cost of care. Yeah. And most anybody's going to need assistance understanding how to maneuver the system. Yeah, And people question whether this is morally right, okay? Mm-hmm. And my response to that is, it is, of course, morally right to try to protect some of what you've worked your whole life for. Yeah. What I tell people is, do you take a tax deduction when you do your income taxes? And if they say yes, I say, well, that you're doing the same thing. You're mm-hmm. following the law, mm-hmm. and we would never do anything but follow the law. But there are ways that we can follow the law and retain some of your dignity and allow you to keep
1: some of your resources. Right. That's a nice way to say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we always tell people to be really strategic with how they spend their resources. And if you want to stay at home, you know, you, you weigh what level of 24-hour care do you need and plan for the time that you might need more care away mm-hmm. from the home and mm-hmm. so forth. So, and we can
2: get Medicaid services at home yes. now. Mm-hmm. And that's called the Medicaid waiver. And mm-hmm. we teach people about that a Got lot. It. And more and more people are electing to do that. Yeah. Um, generally, if you have a caregiver there and that caregiver goes to a regular job, people can get 40 to 50 hours at home mm-hmm. that is paid for by Medicaid. People that have caregivers that are there might only get 10 to 15 hours a week. But lots of people get that 40 to 50 hours. And, of course, Medicaid is trying to make their costs be right. less than long-term care. Right. So they're going to look at it. Is it better to have this person at home or do they need so much care that they'd be better in a nursing home? And they balance that so that the average of the care that is provided results in less being paid out if the person is at home. Mm -hmm. But one person might get five hours a week. Right. The next person, I think the one that I have right now that is the most hours that's provided is... 16 hours a day, seven days a week. That's a lot. But the mother is the other primary caregiver, and she's in her 80s. -hmm. So they're given a lot, but then that's offset by
1: the people that are not
2: given as Mm -hmm. much.
1: So We're seeing more of that where the very most senior, the mom Mm -hmm. or the the dad in the family is caregiving for an adult child who is also a senior who's older than 60. Absolutely, We really are seeing a lot of that. And that goes back to often what I say is it's not about age, it's often about health, Mm -hmm. that you can have a 60-year-old who is, quote unquote, seems older than an Mm 80-year-old at times because Mm -hmm. of the health or the diagnosis that they have. So we are seeing that. And that is a very difficult challenge for families. We have a lot
2: of people right now in our practice that are over 100, yeah I had one this morning that was one hundred and three Wow, and she is in assisted living for care now but and maybe need long- maybe mm-hmm. needing long term care, but she was swimming up to maybe four or five years ago great. so and still driving yeah. just prior to this incident, wow. So, That's great, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. So the other area I know you must touch. Um, you talked about trust just briefly, but wills and trusts and those kinds of things. Um, are people coming to you that already have a will, or, or is this something that they're coming and it's brand new? Or both? Both. Um, we get young people like you that mm-hmm. come in that want a
2: will to provide for their children mm-hmm. if something should happen to them, and then we get middle middle aged, mm-hmm. and we get people that are ready to retire and um, then we get the elderly people. Mm -hmm. And every one of them is going to have something specific. I have ages that I think are the appropriate age to start with asset protection, Mm -hmm. but that's always modified. But their health conditions, maybe what the assets are. Mm -hmm. Um, Surprisingly, we're doing more separation agreements. When Medicaid first came about, People were divorcing to protect their assets. I've heard people say that before. Mm-hmm. So. Then that went away for many years. And then in 2014, qualified funds, IRAs and 401ks, were no longer counted for the healthy spouse. Okay. Well, that led those of us that practice this to well, how can we get the qualified funds? from the unhealthy spouse to the healthy spouse Mm -hmm. without paying taxes. Mm -hmm. And, of course, that method is to use a separation. Mm -hmm. And so there are times if I have a very young person that has perhaps a disease that's going to be debilitating. I have a couple of people that are in their late 50s that have dementia to the point where they're in long-term care. And um, we moved there qualified funds to their spouse, mm-hmm. because that spouse is also very young mm-hmm. and may need those qualified funds. And I'm not talking about super wealthy people. I'm talking right. about people that maybe have two or $300,000 in qualified funds, but we've got a 58-year-old right. person that's healthy. That $300,000 is going to be needed. Oh. And if I have to liquidate that all at once, which is what I would have had to do if I didn't do the separation, I'm going to pay maybe up to 100,000 in taxes. So now I've depleted what she has. And so we elect and we go through every option. And we try to make sure that not only the healthy spouse, but maybe the children of those parents, those parents Mm -hmm. understand what we're doing and why. I appreciate the fact that many of my seniors bring in one of their children. Yeah, absolutely. Because I want the children to understand what we're doing the more they understand, the more they're, not, they're going to realize their parents
1: aren't being taken advantage of. And I think that's always a concern mm-hmm. um, that you want to protect your family. You want to protect your loved ones. Absolutely. And so I love that, um, that encouragement to bring mm-hmm. someone along mm-hmm. that can listen, that can be another set of ears. Um, and generally, if somebody comes in all by themselves, I
2: ask them to come back Mm -hmm. with one of their children, Mm -hmm. because I think it's a lot of information. It's a lot of information for a 50 to 60 year old that's listening to it. But if this person is in their 80s, and they're listening to it, and they're already overwhelmed about the fact that their husband or wife is in a nursing home, Mm -hmm. they're not going to absorb everything that we have to say. And it's just nice to have someone else there with them to help them absorb that information. Yeah. We give them a set of notes from the meeting. We try to provide as many tools as possible, but we have to have, we have to believe that everybody understands exactly what we're doing. Or if if they don't understand exactly what they're doing, that they know that they trust us, because otherwise I won't move forward Mm -hmm. with things. Mm -hmm. Um, I just have to protect that elderly person but i also have to protect myself mm-hmm. to a certain degree because mm-hmm. i don't want anything to spoil the reputation that we've worked a long time to develop mm-hmm. so we try to be careful for everyone
1: yeah we, um, there's sort of a movement and a lot of discussion right now, and I, I don't particularly like the phrase, but I'll use it, and they call them elder orphans. So people who are older who maybe um, never had children, mm-hmm. and they may or may not have a spouse, either the spouse passed away a long time ago, they were divorced, or they they never married. Mm-hmm. And so the, that population of elder orphans, as they are, I, I just don't like that, but I they're calling like that it, <laughs> that's what they're saying, that's the phrase that's being used, mm-hmm. um, the, it's growing i Mm-hmm. So for that particular group of of individuals who truly are single, they mm-hmm. don't they are single and they don't have children. Do you have any recommendations on who how they should think about um, their care or finding that trusted person who can be supportive to them? Um, you know, I know nationally they're talking about even neighbors are stepping mm-hmm. in as this role, uh, mm-hmm. sometimes caregivers, but also advisors to their elderly neighbors who are truly alone. Mm-hmm.
2: And we have a lot of people like that. It's surprising to me how many Mm -hmm. people there are in that role i mean if somebody had one child and that child dies they could be they could have had children but that child is already gone Mm -hmm. and i think they lots of times people will turn to their church or their neighbors as Mm -hmm. you said and find a person that they trust that's where you have to be so careful though and I think many people in that predicament are wanting to trust anyone that will offer the help, and that's a hard thing, mm-hmm. too. So I, I really do want people to be careful and maybe use several road stops um, for that. Mm-hmm. Perhaps they have a healthcare decision maker, and then they have a financial decision maker okay. that are totally different people, or... But the problem is finding those people. Right. But I've had a, one lady that had a man that was her plumber, and she had him start mowing her yard, and he befriended her, and it was like became like his mother to care yeah. for him, and he yeah. was so good with her. So I've had a lot of wonderful people that have helped the elderly, and I've seen just a very few that weren't probably having the right motives, mm-hmm. but. For the number of people I see every year, that has to be less than 1%. It's not the majority. We always hear about those people that are the bad people. I don't want everybody to trust everyone, (laughs) but I would probably be stuck in that role of trusting someone that maybe I shouldn't as well because I want to trust people and their motivations. And I think that's the way the elderly are too. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. You just have to watch for the red flags and... Hopefully, there's someone behind there, whether it's a niece or nephew or someone that comes along and says, you know, I don't know that
1: this is really right. And we we often hear from family members when there is that caregiver that maybe is not trusted. And especially if the loved one has dementia, they're in a very vulnerable position, mm-hmm. um, You know, we of course, when it's appropriate, we advise people to call adult protective services. But are there other resources that those? Sometimes it is the niece or nephew. Maybe it's a distant family member who who's observing from a little bit of a distance, saying this just doesn't seem right. Right, Mm -hmm. a church member, someone else who says, "I I am seeing red flags." Mm -hmm. What what should they do? Well, I'll tell you, some of the home health agencies
2: are excellent at observing those things. So we really do have a lot of really wonderful. Including the senior Mm -hmm. center home health agencies in this area, that you know, I'll get a call from every now and then that says, Does this seem right to you? Mm -hmm. You know, and then I'm probably gonna say, You need to call adult protective services Mm -hmm. and have them investigate it. Adult protective services does and tries to do the very best job they can, but they're not gonna pick up on everything because sometimes the people that are not doing the right thing are really good con artists. um, But I think maybe to a certain degree, having more than just one person that comes into the home is a good thing. Yeah. Because we can see that we have more people observing, is the right thing happening? Yeah. So um, I think a home health agency coming in, even if it's just three times a week for two hours each time, is a good
1: stopgate yeah. for that Someone type else's of eyes behavior. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Are you seeing an increase in fraud in seniors who are being defrauded mm-hmm. or victims of fraud? Well, the
2: Attorney General's office would tell you the answer to that is yes. Yeah. I serve on a committee for them as well. And they would tell you that there is a lot of fraud. Um, my son-in-law's mom was fraudulently sent some money thinking she was going to help a grandchild. Oh. You know, that same old yeah. story. but. When you get that call, when the senior gets that call, they automatically believe it, and they don't want to let down their yeah. grandchild, so they are defrauded. You just have to put up your guard again, and I'm, I'm afraid when people are alone, they might be the worst people yeah. to approach because they might be just inclined that this is someone to talk to or this is someone that cares about me so I'm going to give them money to go to the store for me Mm -hmm. because they said they would Mm -hmm. and maybe they do the first two times but then the third time they give them an extra large amount because now they want this and then it's gone yeah so you just have to be really careful Um, I think any tools of notes and Um, journals and that type of thing that you might leave in your house so that your caregiver can read that and see what's been going on might not be a bad tool Mm -hmm. to have the senior do if they can remember to do it Um, I mean if they can't remember it they might be beyond the point where they should be living in their home by themselves Mm -hmm. Uh, but I think any kind of a tool that you can give a senior that records what's happening
1: is a good thing. Yeah, that's a great tip. We Mm -hmm. use that um, with our in-home caregivers to have them leave a a journal of communication back and forth, but also for the senior and the family to communicate with Mm -hmm. them as well, but then it's all in one place. When you have multiple care providers in the home, it's a really great option just to keep everybody on the same page. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And
2: everybody understands what's the new doctor order or what's the new... I know when I was in the hospital one time, about 15 years ago, my family kept a journal. Mm -hmm. And they wanted their siblings to know what was happening with me at that point. Mm -hmm. So I think journaling is a good thing to do. Whether the senior will remember to do that journaling is the other part. So it might be the caregivers that do the journaling or the visitors that do the journaling. And there could be a a simple um, chalkboard on the wall that says, write down your visit and what you were here for Mm -hmm. in the book, just for the records, Mm -hmm. so that everyone knows, I suppose somebody that's a bad guy, so to speak, isn't going to write down in the (laughs) journal, they're just going (laughs) to take what they want and be gone. gone. But I hope that doesn't happen very often. Uh, Anytime it happens is more often than it should. Yeah, absolutely. But um, I don't want to believe the bad parts. I I know we all hear about that. But there are so many good people that are out there helping people and even the single people that are living all by themselves are being helped by a lot of really mm. wonderful people. Mm-hmm.
1: So we see that we mm-hmm. see the good that happens and the way that people do take care of their neighbors. Or mm-hmm. um, sometimes it's ex-spouses that they didn't it have is. a good relationship yeah. with before, but now they're their caregivers. So it is amazing to see the humanity in your caregivers, and they really are heroes in the community to us, and I mean to our my organization, but to so many. Absolutely, so it's amazing what they do. It is, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I
2: I love that part mm-hmm. of it, yeah. and I think. That's what keeps me doing this because I know I can help the individuals that are trying to provide the care and hopefully the individuals that are receiving the care Mm -hmm. um, with suggestions that we make. Um, And, of course, it's not just me. It's every elder law attorney. The elder law attorneys that I know are the most giving people because they really want people to be successful in what they want to do and where they want to be. Yeah,
1: yeah. you so. mentioned the, um, the website for elder law attorneys. Are there other resources that people should go to um, if they have questions or, or are ready to take that next step? They're thinking they maybe need to call an elder law attorney or someone. Um, is that website really the best place to go? I would say locally it
2: probably okay. is. Um, I get calls from people all the time from other states or from, and I'll say, look that, look up the elder law attorneys in your area. Then call those elder law attorneys and say, how many estates did you do last year mm-hmm. and how many Medicaid applications? And if they didn't do probably five a month at least, they probably aren't doing enough to stay up with all the laws. So you kind of get that number in your head from something, mm-hmm. but there, in order to be proficient at what tools are available to people, you need to be doing it pretty much full time and um, not just dabble yeah. in it. I think the people that we see that after they've seen someone that just dabbles, they've wasted all kinds of time and resources on that. In that process. So. Great.
1: Well, that's a great tip. And unfortunately, we are out of time because okay. I know there's well, more that we have to talk about. But thank you, Dory, for joining me. And um, I look forward to, to working with you and seeing you again soon. Okay. All thank right. you for having me. Thank you. All right. Well, good evening. Thank you for joining Conversations about Living Young. I look forward to uh, talking to you again next month.
0: This has been Conversations about Living Young with your host, Marina Kears, Executive Director of Hendricks County Senior Services. This program has been presented by Duke Energy. Duke Energy offers these tips for understanding your bill. Check the number of days in your billing cycle. Most bills are for 30 days, but there are times when the billing cycle is shorter or longer. If there are more days in the bill, it could be higher. Look at average kilowatt-hour uses per day. At first glance, your bill may look higher, but if your average use is similar to the same time last year or in a month with similar extreme temperatures, it's a normal bill. Residential customer service specialists are available Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. by calling 1-800-521-2232.